thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. Welcome to the show. You know, times will get really hard. Before I get my husband on here. We yeah, we are. To walk with the Lord. Yeshua. Now, many people get really angry at me. Why? Because I just have a piece, a pretty inch of faith. Let me tell you about a story that's called my life. I was a Jew boy. Now I came to Christ. Many people thought that I'm a fool. They thought I betrayed them. Oh, how uncool. Whoa, they're wrong. I'm just a man after God's heart. If you know me, I'm just playing the part of that. Wandering Jew, maybe someone like you. If you open the book, then maybe, maybe then you will see how Jesus is for you like Jesus is for me. Okay? 
So I'm just trying to stay true Jew here. And uh, yeah, all I can say is open up that book. Yeah, I came up, I saw, I opened up that book. Now look at me, I'm hooked on the truth. Yeah, I came up, I saw, I opened up that book. Here in Luca 10, 16, he who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Figure it out. Yeah, Jesus says that you wish Messiah. Yeah. I had no idea about this either, yo. Believe me, I had to suffer just to keep with the truth, but it's okay. Whatever. I give my life over to God. That's a big move. For real. All right. So that's Avian Cohen, who who we believe now is with the Lord. Yeah. Yeshua. Yeah, we do. All right, people. Yeah, you are. Hello, people. I'm going <laughs> to take these headsets off. I killed my other headset. This $2.99 headset doesn't, doesn't um, do moment, well. Moment of silence. What? Moment of silence. For the headset? Yeah. She she doesn't she doesn't want to be pro. I mean, this is the choice of the pros here. Sony MDR seventy five oh six. I have hair, people. Yeah. I mean, it's my crown of glory. <laughs> you know, you watch watch any footage of people recording, like in a studio, or something like that. I'd say the eighty percent of the time, they're wearing the. Sony MDR seventy five oh six, and they're less than a hundred dollars. <laughs> All right, well, people, have you noticed the glasses? So, <laughs> I'm at the age, yeah, I am, where I have to have two pairs of glasses <laughs> because, because like seeing up here is virtually I can't. Let's just put it that way. So that's what these are for. These are computer. So these are new. You can actually see my eyeballs. There's no glare. Isn't that cool? Ah! Anyway, these used to be my long distance glasses and I had them put in computer lenses. So now I can see. Now I can read. So you know how I used to go like that and squinch here? Well now, no more people. (laughs) I'm so happy. Okay, wait. My eyes have to readjust. Okay, there they go. Uh, and uh and i have a and then i have a purple frame for my other ones which are for distance and driving and pickleball so i can i can hit the ball yeah i can Uh, yeah so i um have a few things to share yeah you do yeah i do and then we'll get to the the lead story, six reasons why um, your pastor might be about to quit. I saw this story yesterday and I was like really sad because my very, well, it was my first youth pastor, uh, Steve Hammer, uh, who then became my pastor when I was in high school, maybe college, I don't know. Anyway, he actually shared this on his uh, Facebook and I was like, yeah, I'm going to read it. And so I read it. 
Um, but I want to share this with you. But first, I got to share with you a funny experience I had today. So I, uh, I went to the chiropractor today. I know. <laughs> I don't like chiropractors, people. No, I don't. Uh, I've had bad experiences with them. Not so much chiropractic care, which I actually believe in, and I think it was great. But the pushy salesman type chiropractors. Give me an amen if you totally know what I'm talking about. They, they, they bring you in. They set you down. They give you the x-ray. They do this, blah, blah. They tell you what you shouldn't, shouldn't eat, blah, blah. And then they say, and I want you to come in three times a week for 10 weeks. And that's only $100 a pop each time. And you're like, I don't have that money. Just saying, forget you. Um, and, you know, and I've had, unfortunately, I had some bad experiences in California with that. Because I was in a car accident many years ago. It wasn't even a major car accident, but it really messed up my back. And so much so that insurance money, I ended up getting a lawyer and, you know, I ended up having to have a lot of care, um, you know. And then two years ago, I was in a car accident. Um, long story. <laughs> Some of you might recall but hopefully many of you don't. But anyway, um, and after that car accident, I never saw anybody. I, but I knew that my neck was injured and my back because I could feel it. I got whiplash. Um, and anyway, long story short, you know, I play a lot of pickleball. And so I complain a lot to Randall. And finally, Randall's just like, why don't you just go to the chiropractor? Go with me. Go to go. Go, 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 go. So I go. So today I finally went. I shut up and I just said, okay, fine, I'll go. Because there is a place called The Joint. In case you guys don't know about this, it's actually kind of like the massage envy of chiropractors where you can go and, and like for 60 bucks a month or 70 bucks a month, you can go in and get four adjustments. And it's like a subscription thing. So those of you who are low on you know, don't have a ton of money like me, <laughs> then, then you can pay that and go and get a weekly adjustment and it's not a fortune, right? So, um, and Randall's been doing it. It's been work for him. So anyway, he told me to go. So we went today and I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I haven't been to a chiropractor in like 20 years. Um, after I played almost two hours of pickleball, because I pulled a muscle here, right? And so when I do this, I can't, it hurts, right? So, duh, don't do that, people. <laughs> anyway, so I go in, the guy, you know, I answer all the questions, he asks me questions, and then I get on the table. And I don't know if you guys know this, and some of you might, but apparently new, there are chiropractic tables now that bend down and up. And so before when I, I got adjusted 20 years ago on a flat table, they just, you know, they do that or they twist you or whatever. Well, this guy pushed down and the table went down and, and I did feel been around for years to see, I did feel stuff, but it wasn't really, really painful. Well, at one, and so then, you know, the part comes where they put your neck in their hands and they want to, you know, they want to twist your neck and all that. And I'm like, Okay, this is this is the part nobody likes, right? I don't like it. 
And so this guy's hands are so big. And I don't know about you, but somebody touching your head the very first time you meet them, that's kind of an intimate thing. <laughs> and so I'm just like laying there and, and I'm like, uh, God, please don't kill me. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, don't do that. <laughs> so anyway, afterwards, he, he, and he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it to, to do anything, right? Because it's locked. So he, he said, come down to the end of the table. So I sit down at the end of the table and, and he's like, how about we try something different? And I'm like, okay. So he, he goes ahead. He tells me to do this, put my hands behind my back. Like I'm about ready to be arrested. And I'm like, okay. And then he comes from behind me and he wraps his arms around me and he pulls my head up. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I you know how you hear in your head the cracking sound? I literally felt like it was probably about a half inch when he started. And then by the time he was done, it was probably like, you know, four or five inches. Like, like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm like in shock because... I, I, cause all of a sudden I had all this feeling come through my body and down my arms and, and then, you know, he's, he's talking to me and stuff and he's, he's telling me all about this technique and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I start to cry and I'm like, I'm like, I, all of a sudden I'm just like, <laughs> like totally crying and I'm like, um, and he's like, oh, this is, that's part of the, that's part of what happens. You know, your brainstem was just released and blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm just, uh, anyway, all that to say, you, you have no idea how much better my neck feels right now. Oh my gosh. And so I stood up and I thought, oh, okay, am I going to feel dizzy? Am I going to like, you know, whatever. And then my ears started popping and then a whole bunch of uh, phlegm came out of me. I'm sure you love hearing this, don't you? Anyway, and I coughed it all up because that's what I typically do. And and I was like, all right, sign me up for this. <laughs> so I just, I just had to share with you. I know some of you have told me, uh, you know, to go see a chiropractor for a while. But because of my really bad experience with the last one, I was like... No. Well, it turns out this guy that we saw actually has been a chiropractor th three generations in his family, so he knows what he's doing. So anyway, so those of you who have never gone to a chiropractor, you might want to try it. Um, I actually can move my head and it doesn't hurt. I do still have a little bit of um, muscle issue, but whatever. I play pickleball. But Randall can tell you, he watched the whole thing. And, and were you surprised I got like all emotional? Yes and no. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm thinking, oh, uh, it's the chiropractic adjustment. Um, I mean, it's not like it's a TV commercial with sad puppies or anything like that, but 
But then, so, no, just because it doesn't take much sometimes to... Make me cry? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a wimp. Yeah, I am. Well, I was hoping it wasn't pain. But... Oh, no, 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 no. It was complete, like, like I said, I have never felt like going here. Because I could tell my neck's been compressed. But I have never felt it go from, like, that to that. I mean, it literally feels like he just... He just pulled the vertebrae apart and all that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm a believer again. Yeah, I am. I think a lot of people missed some of the story on our live platforms because we're having uh, network issues for whatever reason. Yeah, Periscope's going in and out. Well, it wasn't Periscope. We just stopped streaming altogether for a while. But uh, oh. those, of course, are listening to the audio... After the fact, uh, we've you know the yeah the recording has been uninterrupted locally, so that's good. Go there. Well, anyway, so that's that. So, what's your experience, bareface? Of what? Of anything? Okay. Yeah, it looks like Periscope's giving me issues too, because some but, people came in and then they went out. And now it's it, now. Well, it's that's not because learning. all platforms were not. We were not streaming for a while. Oh. Uh. And Twitch isn't going to let us recover. Ah, uh, figures. Apparently. Evil doers. Oh, but, well. Uh, but we're back on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Periscope. So this has been an eventful day. Now I can see. <laughs> and I can. I feel like I'm sitting up straight for a change, not like all compressed with my neck. Because I'll tell you yeah. what, when you get whiplash, and which I did, and then your neck, you could feel your neck to go from feeling like your neck is compressed to that and then having that release just come through your whole body oh my gosh that was crazy it really was crazy it's okay now cool hi tommy so tommy next week on friday i think i have open so let me make sure i can look i'm <laughs> do this right now i'm gonna book tommy let's see september 11th is next week do i have a guest yeah are you open on september 11th if you are then you can be my guest. How's that? Okay. <laughs> this is how unpaid people do this. People like, you know, I have no producer, so I am the producer. Because um, we need to talk about politics. All right. Just breaking news. Tommy Norman, Pastor Tommy, is going to be our guest next week on Friday. All right. Sound like a plan? I'm going to put you in right now before I forget because I could do that. Very easy. <laughs> Pastor Tommy on 9-11. All right, I'm putting you in my my schedule right there. All right, I'm updating only that event. All right, cool. All right, so uh, so that's my personal bit, as you guys know. Hey, Mama Gina and Mia, my life flight paramedic friend, and uh, Donald, Lucy, Jonathan. I don't know if anybody's over somewhere else. What happened to superhero? I know, Life Flight was superhero. My it's friend now. You've been demoted, Mia. I'm no, sorry. I have not. <laughs> hey, Mia will always hold a very special place in my heart. Plus, Luke, that Luke gave, she gave me Luke, man. This is my Luke. This is, I named him Luke because he's a doctor. And he's a lifelike paramedic bear that they give to children when she flies. And by the way, you can take this jacket off. And I did. And I saw this bear naked once. Just once, though. <laughs> I just thought I'd share. And I know that made some of you laugh, hopefully. Yeah, it did. All right. So, <laughs> uh, 
right before Randall and I came on live, we had a fire truck, six cop cars. What else on our street? And then just the uh, another fire vehicle, like an SUV fire department. Yeah, all of a sudden we heard these sirens coming up our street. And then normally I wouldn't have, normally I ignore it, but it was so loud. I was like, what the heck? And I look at the window. And, and there's, there's this a... fire truck going up our street. Yeah. We live on a cul-de-sac. It's a small street. So, and then six cop cars were like, oh, oh God, what happened? You know, I'm thinking, does somebody get shot? Is there like, you know, a drug deal gone bad? Or I mean, for six police cars, yeah. there's some, something this neighborhood has never seen. No, we've been here for a while. So we go out, and of course, all of our neighbors are all, all out in the front yard. Like, what the heck's going on on our street? Well, it turns out the city of Spring Hill decided <laughs> that they were going to do a drive-by party. Birthday parade. For one of the disabled children on our street. Was that sweet or what? Sweet. It was so sweet. So it's like making me cry. And he's like, I don't know, six, seven. No. Not very old. And you know, that's got to be for your birthday as a kid at that age. That yeah. Is, man. To have six cop cars coming. <laughs> Even an adult. With they, and they had all their lights on. I actually videotaped this. Wait, I don't know if I can show it to you. But what's really... And then the, the uh, fire guy came out. The fight the... What do you call it? A fireman? I don't know. I'm sorry. It just it was just so touching. The fire guy, the fireman came out. Um, let's see if I can show this to you. Wait. I don't know how good this video is, but here, I'll, I'll hold it up so you can see um, nothing. Oh, wait. There's the, there's the fire truck. Let me uh, put you on full screen here. Okay. So there's the fire truck. Um, and, and then there was a couple cars, but then... If you look down the street, all those cop cars are down there. I don't know if you can see that. It's not very clear, I'm sure. But all those cop cars were driving to the corner house to um, to wish the little boy who's got special needs a happy birthday. And and Randall, Randall did. Uh, are you going to do your video? I can try. Yeah. Well, so. I thought, you know, I don't know if they do this in California, but they certainly don't do it in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, all those cop cars, like, came down our street uh, with the fire engine. And then the, the chief of police or whoever it was, or, or the fire person, um, went ahead and um got out and gave him a a hat or something i don't know what it was but doesn't that touch you i thought that was awesome i you know and and they do that a lot in this little hicktown usa that we live in <laughs> uh yeah so anyway so so yeah so is that, so there you and, go that oh okay um, now we got people over here so we got uh, okay, so oh, okay, so Tommy, you were over. What? Oh. Okay, so Tommy went over to. Okay, you're back. All right, Carol is over on Facebook, I think. Yeah. Hey, Carol, how you doing? Glad you're there. Carol comes to my Bible study, which is so cool. By the way, speaking of Bible studies, 
Tuesday. This Tuesday is our Jude study. I think we might be wrapping it up finally. <laughs> We've been doing it for a while on that one chapter, this whole chapter. Uh, but you think you're going to finish the book? I might, yeah. We might come close. I probably won't, but I'll try. No, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, so if you want to do the study, then get in touch with me and I'll give you access to the Zoom link if you uh, um, want to come. It's by invitation, really, though. So, you know. Anyway. All right. So who wants to know about why six reasons why your pastor might want to quit? Right? So I will tell you... <clears throat> Watching what's going on in the world, but in, in particular in America with what's happened with COVID and really in particular in California, what's been going on with the church, with the, with the socialist government there, and it really is socialist. Um, I have thought, you know... And I will say that Virginia Prodan, who I had on the show a couple of weeks ago, you know, Virginia came out of Romania, a socialist country, and she actually stood up to the government. One of the things that she said here um, about, about what pastors should be doing here is she basically said pastors should not cave because what the government's doing is they're going like this. They're, they're poking them. And they're basically going to see how far they can push them. And if the church doesn't push back, they're going to continue to take away their rights. That's kind of the, the like, you know, I dare you type thing. And, you yeah, know, I was just thinking about this, that this more not specifically with churches, but we will hit that. But I was saying the whole Second Amendment thing. Right. And I'm pro Second Amendment. Well, why? Nobody needs whatever. It's it's not a matter of practicality. It's a matter of principle mm -hmm. that, you know, the U.S. government has a military force that can, well, lay waste to this entire, <laughs> this entire continent. No, you're not going to defend yourself from the government with, you know, whatever gun you can legally own, even illegally own. I mean, if the National Guard comes to your house, no. But it's a it's a matter of principle. If, if your weapons can be taken, then it's like, what else can we take? You know that you know mm -hmm. your means of self defense, and it's just that. Uh, I mean, you can just look at history. It's 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 a psychological uh, progression of things, and you see where weapons have been confiscated, what happens next, etc. And it's just this control, and as the as you know, the framers of the Constitution, as they wrote in there, you know, well-ordered militia be necessary to the security of a free state. Um, it's not the security of the state. There's, there's, there are armed forces for that to secure it, but the security of a free state, maintain that freedom is about uh, the things there in the Bill of Rights, having the freedom of speech and to bear arms and things like that, and then as if those things are taken away, it's that it's that poking and how far can we push you and disarm you, uh, literally and psychologically. So, yeah. Anyway. So Tom to Thomas Rayner, um, who uh, wrote this article uh, on August thirty first, this is what it says: About one third of you readers are laypersons. This article is for you. 
Of course, I know pastors and other vocational ministry leaders will be reading as well. Perhaps more than my article, they will be reading your comments. They will be searching eagerly to see if anyone has a word of encouragement. They may be anticipating the responses will be a barrage of negativity. They have become accustomed to receiving. Please hear me clearly. The vast majority of pastors with whom our team communicates are saying they are considering quitting their churches. It's a trend I have not seen in my lifetime. Some are just weeks away from making an announcement. They're looking for work in the secular world. Some will move to bivocational ministry. Some will move to marketplace ministry. But many will move. Why has this period of great discouragement ensued? Of course, it's connected to COVID-19. Or as I shall say, con 19. This COVID con, which is a big con, and that's all I'll say because otherwise I'll get in the flesh and I don't want to do that. But the pandemic really just exacerbated trends already in place. We would have likely gotten to this point in the next three to five years regardless. I also want you to know these pastors do not think they will be leaving ministry. They just believe the current state of negativity and apathy in many local churches is not the most effective way they can be doing ministry. So they are leaving or getting ready to leave. There are many reasons why, but allow me to share the top six reasons, understanding that they are not mutually exclusive. I agree, Tommy. Number one, pastors are weary from the pandemic, just like everyone else. Um, Pastors are not superhumans. They miss their routines. They miss seeing people as they used to do so. They would like the world to return to normal, but they realize the old normal will never return. And I, I mean, I can tell you my pastor does not like doing online stuff. He didn't like it anyway. I don't know. I don't know that he really does, but, um, you know, we're all sick of it. Put on, put your hand up if you're sick of this beat, this, you know, what? <laughs> Hoax. Yeah. Uh, cause I am, I am, I, I am because I mean, just for pickleball purposes i'm sick of it but for church in particular going to church today is like going to uh like like you can't tug people and i mean it's like it's sterile exaggerate i wouldn't say you know ouch just for you people out there hoax so see i know people have covid19 i know people have died from it it's it's a real disease yeah the but cdc the- though has come out with new info Right, right. But, but the level to which it has been uh, exploited, say that is is a different, is a whole different story. Anyway, back to you, Stacy Lane. Thank you, Bareface. Okay, number two, pastors are greatly discouraged about the fighting taking place among church members about the post-quarantine church. Gather in person or wait, masks or no masks, social distancing or not. Too many church members have adopted the mindset of culture and made these issues political fights. Pastors deal daily with complaints about the decision the church makes. Yep, I see those hands going up. And you know what? That is a big issue. The whole masquerading mandate baloney. I mean, don't even get me started on that. Me and Tommy will talk about it. (laughs) Right, Tommy? Me and you are going to talk about the masquerade thing. Number three, pastors are discouraged about losing members and attendance. For sure, it's not all about the numbers, but imagine your own mindset if 
one half or more of your friends stop engaging with you and pastors have already heard directly or indirectly from around one fourth of the members that they do not plan to return at all. And what I can tell you, I heard somebody say this. I'm trying to remember if it was my friend, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, but somebody actually made the comment, if the enemy stole Easter from the church, how many souls typically, I think it was Pastor Jack Hibbs who, who talked about this. He talked about how, or maybe it was you, it was somebody, I heard it from a couple people. If the enemy took church Easter Sunday from us, which he did, um, how many people typically get saved on an Easter Sunday, right? A lot of people come to Christ on Easter. It is the cornerstone of our faith, the resurrection. That's what we celebrate. Um, but now all of a sudden, a quarter of your church leaves because of this. I can tell you, I know in my church, people have left. My pastor told me once and, and it's heartbreaking. Hey, Carmen, I know that you're saying hi to Tommy, but I just want to say hi to you just so you know. And hi, everybody else that came in. Joel, hi, it's nice to see you. Rob, Cher is dead. Okay. I don't know who that is, but anyway, hot potato too. I don't know who you are either, but no, it's hot. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. Um, all right. Number three. No, that was three. Number four, pastors don't know if their churches will be able to support ministries financially in the future. In the early stages of the pandemic, giving was largely healthy. Church members stepped up. Government infusion of funds for businesses and consumers helped as well. Now the financial future is cloudy. Can the church continue to support the ministries they need to? And will the church need to eliminate positions? These issues weigh heavily on pastors. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that nobody likes to talk about. Ministries and money. Um, but... It is a big issue. When it's a huge, I'll tell you why it's a, even a bigger issue. It's because you only have maybe 10, maybe a little more than 10% of the people that go to any given church give, which is a blight on the church, honestly. I, mean, I was our friend um, Ollie Weaver, who just passed into God's presence, my, my spiritual dad, didn't he used to say, Randall, that. Uh, that the the um, American church does so little when they've been given so much, and the 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 other church well, the, well, can does so much with so little. Yeah, it's something that uh, another Gideon had shared with, with him, him. Yeah. about uh, after a faith fund rally, we're seeing these believers overseas, you know, who put boxes of Bibles on their head and wade across a river after they park their bicycles on the bank and. You know, et cetera, and then walk miles, you know, deliver these Bibles. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And these are business people in third world countries, but, you know, make, you know, a couple dollars a day or whatever. Yeah. And that person observed that it was kind of uh, embarrassing how folks in other lands do so much with so little when we here in the States do so little with so much. Yeah. Well, Rob is saying two of our younger pastors left as the senior pastors do not want the church to meet in person. I'm sorry. I mean, that that sucks, you know, especially if you're if it's a biblical church now, you know, and, and keep in mind, Thomas Rayner, we're not we I am by no means calling every church that he's surveyed biblical because you just don't know. I think four percent are biblical, but 
Uh, we know there's a lot of hirelings in the pulpit. Um, wolves in sheep's clothing and all that. But I mean, the issue of, of finance in the church is huge because so few give, um, you know, and I'm speaking as somebody, I get that. I totally get it. Uh, which just leads me to this. If you want to give to Bible News Radio, if we bless you in any way, guess what? We're a nonprofit. I just put out $1,000 to file those papers. And praise the Lord, I had two people give me money to cover that. Um, that came in after I did it. And you know who you are. And thank you. Um, but now you can give to us and get a tax break. That's something... That is something that we, I never did because number one, I couldn't afford it. Number two, um, you know, there's a handful of you that donate and now you can get that tax break. So if you're somebody who watches the show, guess what? You can give now and we're, we're at hope, um, um, <laughs> heart tug international. It took a minute. Heart tug international is actually our nonprofit that Bible news radio is under. And so if you donate to us on our website, biblenewsradio.com forward slash give, when you hit the PayPal button, it will say Hope Tug, that right? Heart Tug International, sorry. I keep putting hope in there for, but anyway, it will say Heart Tug International. I'm tired, okay, people, okay. Anyway, you can go, donate, set up a monthly payment. That would be awesome. <laughs> Help us eat, people. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, you'll get a tax break. All right, number five, criticisms against pastors have increased significantly. One pastor recently shared with me the number of criticism he receives are five times greater than the pre-pandemic era. Church members are worried, church members are weary, and the most convenient target for their angst is their pastor. So um, I have to uh, say that that, unfortunately, that doesn't surprise me, but you know what, you guys, pastors are people, and honestly, if a church is set up correctly, the pastor shouldn't have to be bearing the burden of everybody in that church. They need an elder and a deacon board to help carry that load, um, and, you know, I think that's why pastors get weary, because they don't have that help. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. You know, the um, in, in scripture, there are, there are the overseers, episkopos. There are the pastors. There are also the, the diakonos, uh, the deacons, as our anglicism of that. Anyways, the the root of that word for deacon is is basically comes out from kicking up dust. The idea is that they're you know always on the go and you know they leave a dust cloud behind them as they're going. They're the ones to do the work, just like when it came to serving the widows in the early church at the tables and the the apostles said it's you know it's not right for us that we should abandon our responsibilities of of teaching the word and prayer i'll be right back all right she'll be right back uh to wait on tables and and i think that there i go I think too often a congregation expects the pastor, the senior pastor, to do all that, to do the work of the ministry as well, uh, to to minister these people, do these visitations, uh, you know, oversee this ministry, that ministry. Well, well they are the shepherds, uh, which you know, pastor comes from the uh, idea of path, you know, looking over pasture. Um, you know, it's it's looking out for the sheep. 
uh, which is, I think, the kind of the responsibility of every every believer in a congregation, as we've been looking at Jude, both of us, and where we're believers are uh, exhorted to contend earnestly for the faith, or that you know, athletic kind of competition preparation. Um, anyway, we can talk about that Sunday. Uh, but yeah. The, Deacons, uh, deacons, and you know, elders are the ones to be doing the work, the ministry uh, in the body. I think scripturally, pastors ought to be the ones just uh, Being able responsible, to right? Uh, be responsible for the uh, the overall, you know, safety of the flock, teaching them, uh, providing guidance, just like a shepherd does you know a flock of sheep um sorry i couldn't resist right so anyway but i think the american model anyway uh the protestant church is that the pastor does everything yeah and so i don't think that's a biblical model maggie asks why are so many evangelical pastors super rich and then says, here, Jerry Falwell Jr. is a pretend evangelical oh. enriching himself. And that Jerry is actually with a J, not a G, just so you know. Fundamental evangelicals are toxic. So I will tell you, uh, Maggie, that, you know, the average church in America is under 60 people. So the overwhelming majority of churches are not big, right? I mean, they're definitely under 100 the churches that tend to get the bigger audiences, I guess, or they become super big, um, not all mega churches are, I think, toxic, and not all lead pastors of these evangelical churches are super rich. It just seems that the people that you hear about, unfortunately, are often the corrupt ones, and um, you know, and because and, they're making a name for themselves, right? And it's unfortunate that things happen but also you gotta remember too there's nothing wrong with a servant of god getting paid for his work the laborer is worthy of his wage and i think that um i think there's there's got to be a healthy balance right um unfortunately in the last number of years moody radio moody bible college um unfortunately the stuff going on with liberty all that all that stuff has happened. Julie Royce came on my show. We talked about a lot of stuff a number of years ago. And she's doing great work. Janet Mefford is also doing great work exposing some stuff. But I would caution you about a couple of things. Number one, I would caution who you really listen to in, in, in even Christian media. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Christian Post isn't even owned by Christians. It's owned by a Mooney. Okay? Um, and most Christian companies like like even publishers are not owned by christians anymore they're owned by unbelievers who are out for money which is why there's so much false teaching in a lot of the books that you read which is why i have so few authors on my show because i i try to put people who are extremely biblical on the show um with that said uh i have friends that know the Falwells. And have also been maligned in the media. So you got to know that you're not always hearing the full story. And sometimes things 
are made out to look one way when that's not the case at all. Um, and I know that for a fact. Um, Jerry Falwell, I'm not sure about that issue. Yes, that's right. So we just got to be very careful there. But with that said, let's get into number six. The last uh, point uh, that Thomas Rayner writes is the workload for pastors has increased greatly. It says here, almost every pastor with whom we communicate expresses surprise at their level of work since the pandemic began. It really makes sense. They're trying to serve the congregation the way they have in the past, but now they have the added responsibilities that have come with the digital world. And as expected, pastoral care needs among members have increased during the pandemic as well. Pastors are burned out, beaten up, and downtrodden. Many are about to quit. You may be surprised to discover your pastor is among them. So when I when I read this a couple of days ago, um, one of the things that... Uh, I did as a result of reading this was I prayed for the pastors. So would you all agree me? Uh, are are you are you would all agree with Randall and me in prayer right now for the pastors? Because we need to do that, guys. Okay, Father in heaven, we just come to you, and I thank you, Lord, for your word, and I thank you that you have called men and women to shepherd and to pastor your people. Lord, I thank you because I know that you are the God who was our great chief shepherd and you're awesome. You are awesome and you never fail us. You are always there. And Lord, when I read this story, I feel sad because so many of these men are, um, you know, are weary and the women that minister as well are weary. Lord, there's so much that's been going on. You know this. Um, and so Lord, we pray for these pastors that you would just um, alleviate their burden. Lord, that you would send people in their church that are encouragers, that are Barnabases, that, that are people who will lift them up instead of tear them down, and that, that as Galatians said, that they would help bear the burdens, um, because your word says, bear one another's burdens, and such, and such fulfill the law of Christ. That's what we want to do, Lord. And there's so many people that are hurting and discouraged in the church. Suicide is rampant, even among pastors. And Lord, we know that that's not of you. And so we ask, Father, that you would bring your healing to the church body and in particular to the pastors. Um, Lord, that the stupid pandemic that's of the enemy, in my opinion, uh, we pray and ask for your mercy, Father. And your forgiveness for the sin of our country and even the sin in the church in particular. Um, Lord, we know that there needs to be a revival coming. And um, I believe that you're calling people to that. And Lord, I know that it's so easy to be critical because that's our it's our sinful nature to want to be that way. Um, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember your word where you tell us that we have your mind the mind of Christ, and that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Um, Father, you've given us the Holy Spirit to counsel us, to comfort us, to guide us, to convict us, and to be, you know, who we need you to be. And uh, so, Lord, we just pray that you would bless each pastor even watching this show. I ask, Lord, that you would um, fill them up, that you would anoint them with your Holy Spirit that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you'd gird them and give them uh, that, that, that spiritual armor, Father, 
that in Ephesians 6, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, their feet that are shod with the gospel of peace, not division, you know, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, Lord, which is your word. We pray that all of that would be firmly placed in them and, uh, and also in their churches, in their things. And Lord, if this is a time where you're like cleaning out the church, where you're she- you're you're separating the sheep and the goats, you know the chaff and the wheat, the bad and the good. Uh, we ask that 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 would fall away, and that your remnant would would be there and stand firm. So that that is my prayer, Father. Yes, Lord, and we uh, pray that uh, the pastors would be reminded that their job is not to be people pleasers, uh, but to be God pleasers. Uh, to seek the approval of you rather than the approval of men. Their job is to shepherd the flock, to guard them from heresy and false doctrine, uh, to guide them the way they should go uh, to green pastures and still waters, and uh, not to themselves get bogged down with all this other stuff. They're not there to be somebody's punching bag or or um, whatever else. Um, that is not the job of uh, the pastor and uh, help them to define clear boundaries. And we pray for the congregations as well to recognize what the job of their pastor is. That they would be biblical people. And I agree with my wife. Lord, if, if they, if this is a, way of uh, separating the sheep from the goats chaff from the wheat uh, wheat from the tares uh, let it be done uh, because your word tells us that judgment begins with the house of God and so uh, yeah if you're a clean house uh, go for it <laughs> and uh, though not comfortable but we trust that uh, the faithful remnant will well, we'll remain, be the remnant. Uh, thank you for what you're doing, all that you're about to do. And again, Lord, just uh, pulled up uh, the true uh, men of God seeking to shepherd uh, their flocks, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So um, on that article, there are uh, 302 comments. Okay. Only so, 302. Three, huh? Well, yesterday there was 291 or something like that. But, um, so, but if you want to go over to, uh, churchanswers.com, that's where this article is. Right. Churchanswers.com. You can, you can go there and you can, um, look through the comments and see the people that are responding. There's some mean people, you know, there's like, there's some enemies of God going, you know, if we could, we'd just shut the whole church down. Well, that ain't going to happen, people. That won't happen. Speaking of that, though, let's talk about this other horrible, rotten thing coming out of California. Um, I saw this article, and it is, uh, let's see here. I got to find the active thing here. Um, waiting for my page to flip. Yeah, I am. My internet is slow, people. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So oh, oh. I was gonna inject take this opportunity. Okay. The comment came up earlier about the mega pastors and all that and yeah. rich and uh, 
it takes me back to First uh, Timothy six ten. You know, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Yep. And for some which have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, that the people have been in the faith, but because they were lovers of money rather than lovers of God, you know, they it was the desire to become rich. Not there's nothing wrong with being rich, but nothing wrong with having money, but, but when money has you that's your pursuit and loving it says um paul says for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows it doesn't end well yeah so yeah and there are a couple of comments over here on facebook let's get these before i go on um so But let me tell you what this California thing is. There's an article titled, California Legislature Passes Bill Reducing Penalties for Pedophilia. We'll get there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's been a lot happening in California. Um, So Mary said hi. Hi, Mary. Mary writes, my pastor has said that he has had a fair number of nasty, rude comments I believe that we are also losing members and attenders. Our pastor was excited at the beginning when we had people tuning in from other states. This last lockdown, however, he arranged for outside services, which we have faithfully attended. Yeah. Cool. You would hug me, huh? Aw. Carol said she'd hug me. Phyllis. Hi, Phyllis. Let's see. Okay, let's see. Here are we. Okay. Carol says the light bill still has to be paid. There are only, okay, and and also she said here, there are only so many hours in a day. That is why the fivefold are important to the body. And that's the thing. Most people don't know that. I mean, look, I want to tell you something. I have hosted this show, not on video, for 16 years, but I've done this show for 16 years. And do you know what goes into putting a show together? I produce it. Randall really does that now, but I'm the producer. I book the guests. I schedule the appointments. I make the follow-up calls. I post the social media stuff. I tweet stuff out. I text message everybody. Um, What else do I do? I read the books that, I mean, I read and skim them and do all that. I do all of that before I even talk to my guest. And that takes time and I'm not being paid anything for it. On average, I get donated $300 a month from the five people that donate consistently to this show. That's not a lot of money to live on. <laughs> and one of those people gives me 150 bucks. So the other 150 comes from a couple other people that are pillars of my community. We no longer have a sponsor, so we, we don't get the other money that we had. But what I want to tell you is that, and I was telling Randall this too, at least... If like a regular Christian show on, on regular radio, the average talk show has host has two producers, which help them produce the show by booking guests, scheduling people, doing background research, doing graphics, doing social media. And they have a whole sales and marketing department that's out there helping them raise money to help fund the show and and like Moody Radio is an example. They bring in millions of dollars and their talk show hosts get paid really well. They get they get a lot of money. Um, so, you know, it, it's... There are a lot of things that happen. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but anyway, 
so the fivefold ministry, you know, our gifts, you know, like uh, just just to kind of throw this out just as a as a, t- a little mini topic. You guys know I do Legal Shield, right? Now Legal Shield, we offer identity theft protection and, you know, legal assistance. What kind of person do you think sells Legal Shield? Somebody who has a need for justice, somebody who's an exhorter who wants things done correct and all that, right? Okay. So that would be me. That's the type of person I'm, I am. I want to, I want to, uh, um, you know, I want to stand for what's right and just. So I offer this service that gives everybody equal access to the law. Okay. I also am an affiliate with send out cards and send out cards is awesome because I can send out cards to anybody I want in the world for under a hundred dollars a month. And that includes postage and get a little commission from that. That ministry, that, that company is an edifier and encourager because you're not going to send somebody a card filled with hate. That doesn't happen. Well, I mean, there's some people that might, but I'm not going to. So you got a Barnabas ministry in the encouragement. So those are, those are just two gifts. So, you know, you got the fivefold ministry, you got your pastors, evangelists, you got, you know, your mercy givers, you, you, you know, you got these different things that the body has to have these gifts in order to do this administration, the gift of administration. One of my friends recently told me that, uh, um, that, um, Randall had the gift of administration to which I busted up laughing and I said, I don't think you know my husband very well because that's not his gift. That is not his gift. His gift is service and teaching. Uh, mine is exhortation and teaching. Those are my two primary gifts. And I do have, I do have mercy as well. That, that is also a gift, although some people would debate that. Um, but, but, you know, what we produce together, it's, it's a compilation of God's gifts that he's given us. Um, but we need givers to help us do what we do because we can't just keep giving, right? Just like any church does. So I don't know, just, just something to think about there, right? Okay. So let's look at this article, uh, over on harbingersdaily.com. California, by the way, is led by socialists and homosexuals, um, and people who are emotionally unstable at, at the best, right? I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's California's lost, the government has lost its mind. And I would actually really love to see the evangelical, the just the church in general, kick the Democrats' butt in November in California. I would love to see this massive turnout in California with all the conservatives and the biblical Christians and like the Mormon church is big there. The conservative Mormons, they could come out. The Mormon church is the one that really helped pass Prop 8 in California. I would love to see that come out in such high force and just roll over and knock out every single Democrat everywhere in California. And that is something I am praying for because I believe God is doing, He there is a revival starting. Okay, Tommy, there is a revival that's already started in California and the church isn't going to take it any longer. All right. Meanwhile, LGBT activists have pushed reasonable notions of equality to its limits with obscene perversions. State Senator Scott Weiner, I think that's how you say it, 
A Democrat, San Francisco, the same lawmaker who co-sponsored a bill in 2017 to remove the felony penalty for knowingly exposing another person to HIV, has introduced a bill, Senate Bill 145, to give judges more flexibility in sentencing gay men who abuse minors. Under current law, which Wiener, who is gay, describes as, quote, horrific homophobia, unquote, a straight 24-year-old male who has sex with a 15-year-old girl can avoid being put on the sex offender list if the judge feels the situation does not deserve it. But a gay man in the same scenario with a similar-aged boy would not be given the same option. Wiener's argument is one of evolving social standards. In 2015, the California Supreme Court upheld the long-standing separation of vaginal sex from other forms of sex-based on the misguided idea that if pregnancy occurred, placing the father in the sex offender list could ruin his chances of providing for his family. The extreme of the scenario would be an 18-year-old man with a 17-year-old girlfriend. Wiener's bill, however, is not so straightforward. He argues all forms of sex should be treated equally under the law. I'm going to stop just for a minute and tell you what I think. I think... That homosexuality, bestiality, pedophilia, and all the other deviant sexual behaviors out there should be illegal and be completely punishable by the law. And I know those are fighting words for some people, especially in California. But if I was going to run for a city state in California, that's the platform I would run on. I would say the only legal form of sex would be between a married man and a married woman together, period. All other sex outside of marriage should be fined and illegal, in my opinion. Um, because it's immoral, it's ungodly, and that's what denigrates a country. And frankly, that's what's happened to our country. Okay. Please transcribe and tweet that out. The law will protect exploitation of minors. Moreover, while there is room for flexibility in a ruling in which boy turns 18 while his girlfriend is still 17 and her father presses charges, the bill defines the age minimum at 14. Recognizing that minors cannot legally consent to sex, Wiener argues that if a minor age 14 to 17 voluntarily has sex with an adult who is less than 10 years older, the judge should decide based on the individual facts of the case whether the adult should be placed on the sex offender registry. Data provided by Wiener's office states at least 2,400 people on the California Sex Offender Registry and potentially hundreds more have been convicted of non-vaginal sex with a minor age of 14 or older. Okay. Have you guys ever heard of sodomy? Have you ever heard of Lawrence v. Texas? Do you guys know what that is? So a number of years ago, Lawrence v. Texas was was passed and it was a horrible piece of legislation that actually passed in favor of sodomy because prior to this sodomy was considered illegal and it was you, you know you could go to jail for it right you know the the idea that homosexuals commit sodomy and and parks and you know bathrooms and stuff like that the gay activists know this they wrote about it in the book After the Ball, which I took apart and made into a series called The Marketing of Homosexuality to America on my YouTube page, by the way. You can go watch it. I quote those these gay activists who wrote the book, right? So what they did in Lawrence v. Texas, the short version, 
is they basically made sodomy legit and no longer illegal. What this is saying here, when you're talking about non-vaginal sex, what other types is there? Okay, there's oral and there's anal. Okay, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, those are, that's pretty much the three, you know, big things. So, do you see what they're saying here? I'm, I don't want to get graphic, but I think you guys are smart enough to understand. So, it says here, the argument on its own sounds like a simple proposal for, for equal treatment under the law. As L.A. Deputy District Attorney Bradley McCart told state lawmakers, remember, it's not the punishment for the crime. It's a public safety issue that has to do with crime solving and keeping track of predators. Well, that's, that's right. Right. But it is the mindset behind the age issue that's the most concerning. We need to stop criminalizing teenage sex, Weiner said. At a minimum, we should not be forcing these kids onto the sex offender registry and ruining their lives. <laughs> Make them look bad, in other words. The problem is that it isn't about teenagers having sex. It's about adults exploiting minors sexually and being legally protected in doing so. What possible justification would there be for a 24-year-old to have sex with a 15-year-old to be their sex? The rational answer, of course, is there is none. Rather than addressing this reasonable concern, however, the left-wing and LGBT sites decided opposition was homophobic and hateful. Well, there's a big shocker. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of this because it's long, it's, it's a little bit lengthy. Randall, <laughs> you want to comment as a man? Sure. So I don't have to I, I as an over emotionally, you know, I woman. I comment as a woman. Um, but, but uh, yeah, it's, it's the proverbial slippery slope. Oh, there is none. I mean, go back, well, this is 2020, so let's go back to the 80s, 1980s, so 40 years ago, right? Well, 40 years to 1980, but, you know, then, then there was like Three's Company, stuff like that, it was, it was the only, the only portrayal of homosexuality in media was a comical one. It was still a queer thing. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're at the point where it's equality. It's not it's, it's, it's not a queer thing. It's not a comic routine. It's a, you know, in solidarity with people scantily clad marching down the street. Scantily clad in leathers and whipping each other. And they've, you know, it's just as valid as any other thing. Um, you know, it's, it's sad. It used to be when a, when a teenage girl got pregnant, she was sent away, you know, to live with some relative out in the country or whatever, because it was a shame on the family, uh, because that's just not right. You know, were, were teenage having sex? Yeah, they were, but not, you know, widespread, lock, stock, and barrel, because there was an understanding. There wasn't just a, a moral uh, prevalence. It was a understanding that unwed pregnancy leads to poverty and all sorts of other things. Yep. And it was just unacceptable to have 
sexual relations outside holy matrimony, you know, outside of marriage, because it, it just made sense not to do that. And then, uh, you know, with the whole sexual revolution, all that kind of thing. And now we're at the point where, you know, we're debating, well, why shouldn't a 24-year-old have sex with a 15-year-old? And like, well, if they're married, fine. That, that's happened before. You know, if it, my mom was 15 when she got married. My dad wasn't 24. He was 19. They are both teenagers. But, um... See, Randall, but, Randall is the, the product of two young people. Me. My mom was 23 when I was born. Okay, but still she was young. I mean, uh, my mom was 24 when I was born, but my dad was 40 and now he's 92, just saying. So it says here live video is interrupted on Facebook. Hmm. Really? Would, Boy, I tell you, nobody wants... The enemy hates this show tonight. Yeah, we're not... Our stream's been cut off again, which is weird because we have network connection. It's just... Wirecast is not... Wirecast is being a butthead. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a network issue. That's completely fine. Huh. That's all. Okay, it shows um, we're back. That's good. <laughs> so. Sorry, everybody. Hey, that's what happens when you're trying to speak biblical. If you're listening truth. to the audio, you've got it all. Yeah, and you're back. Thank you for but, sticking in with us, because you know this really irritates me as a host. It does. It bothers me, but. But we can go back to 2002, 2003, whatever it was, when we went to the Glisten conference. Right. And the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Me and Randall went in as spies. Yeah. Yeah, we did. I was the girl spy. Yeah. Yeah, I was. And he was the boy spy. And he yeah. was more nervous than me. I was having fun. He was like, I was like, hey, everybody. Anyway, but, you know, they had the Saturday night ball. Right. Where no one over 21 was allowed. So you could be 21 and be there. And you could be certainly a minor and be there. This is a gay thing, and there's 21-year-olds with, you know, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, stuff like that. Tell me that's not all about recruiting. And It was all and, about recruiting. Yeah. That whole was, thing, that whole Glisten conference, which we should go in a spy somewhere else. But what I, what I should tell you about that whole Glisten thing, if there's one thing you, you need to know, and that is their main target in that whole thing was all of the Christian right organizations in America. They to defeat, but, yeah, but to, it was all about the education network. It wasn't, it was right. the indoctrination network, they, building a network of, of pro, of sexual anarchists yeah, to but, indoctrinate children at all levels of education. But see, they attacked Dr. James Dobson, who at the time was with Focus on the Family, mm -hmm. Concerned Women for America, um, Family Research Council, um, Christian Coalition, uh, um, Re uh, Mission America, Linda Harvey's group, which, by the way, if you don't know Linda Harvey, she's amazing. She's been fighting the gay agenda forever. Um, Americans for Truth About Homosexuality. I don't know if they were around at the time. But, I mean, the bottom line is any, quote, Christian right organization out there defending the traditional moral biblical family, they were going after Sure. And Maybe. I mean, but we were there listening on behalf of uh, Traditional Values Coalition, which they also went after. Um, and we video, we video, we we audio taped secretly a lot of what they did. And we, what I did was I passed it on to Janet Parshall. 
a, a box. I sent Janet a box of material, literally uh, like a huge box. And when she got it, she actually read it on the air. Not all of it. She didn't read it all on the air, but she thanked me, called me Caleb. Mm -hmm. And she, she actually was shocked herself. They were, they had, and this was back then, right? So they had curriculum for how to introduce homosexuality in music class, in gym class. K through 12. K through 12. I mean, there is an agenda and people don't like you guys don't know what you're talking about i know exactly what i'm talking about because i've been to the enemy's camp but the pro and this is what irritates me for years randall and i have been talking about this and just you would have thought with prop eight and and then when they stole marriage from the nation you guys remember when so-called gay marriage was passed by the supreme court you do know there was 30 states in the country that had that had voted on that topic in their own state uh, and said, no, we don't want it. So the Supreme Court decided to overrule the people, right? You know who Kim Davis is, right? Because, and this came up in my Facebook memories a couple of days ago. Kim Davis went to jail because she decided she was going to defy the court of the Supreme Court and issue marriage and not issue marriage licenses to homosexuals. She went to jail because of it. And here's the thing. This is what I foresee. Getting back to the whole beginning of this show, talking about the state of the church and what's going on with pastors, right? One of the biggest arguments that pastors struggle with is the fact that some people want their pastors to be political and some people don't want any of that in the church at all. Well, here's a newsflash, people. In the beginning of this country, we had what they called patriot pastors. The pastors, most of the pastors in this country in the beginning, happened to be political. Right? The Bible studies that we had in this church, they were in the capital. And God, we trust, you know, that came later. But what I will say is that the pastors and the politicians were the same people. Yeah, we, and, can, we confuse morality with politics sometimes. Yeah, but this ignorance about, well, you know, you can't yeah. talk about whatever from the beginning. That's baloney. It's baloney. Every issue that a pastor talk, can talk about is a biblical issue. The pro-life issue is a biblical issue. The homosexual issue is a biblical issue. Look at Romans. Look at Psalms. Look at Leviticus. Money. That is a biblical issue. It can be political, right? You look at Trump and, and what's going on there, etc. Every issue is biblical. Do you think God's stupid? I mean, God is not stupid. Every issue in the Bible is biblical, and every issue in the Bible we look at from a worldview, the secular worldview. Pastors should have the courage and the backbone to be able to do it. And the problem is so many aren't because they, they are hirelings, which, which means there's somebody that's in there to, you know, they, they are the ones that we all know and hate, right? Oh, no, we love them. We, you know. <laughs> so, all that to say. <laughs> I'm glad Tommy gets it. All right. So, um, Randall, we got, do you want to go to 830 or should we cut, cut out? Cause I know this, this, this thing. Yeah. Money isn't evil. It's the love of money. That's evil money. If it wasn't for money, I mean, let's face it. God made America extremely rich and America is the country that's brought the gospel around the world. Right. 
until but, recently, but yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, money is is a good thing. It's it's sure it's sure more easy than barter. Uh, I mean, because if you if uh, you need a sheep, you know, and I need my I need my car fixed, and um, you know, but the mechanic doesn't need a sheep, and uh, I don't have one. You know, just having to trade something that the the literal thing that people need is is hard, especially more you know, whatever. It gets difficult. So currency is a good thing. It's it's a lot simpler. Instead of having exactly what you need, I can give you money for it, and then you can take that and you know get what you need, etc. As a means of exchange, of value exchange, it's a good thing. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> I just uh, I just looked over here on uh, ChristianNews.net. There's an article. It's titled "Joel Osteen Inspiration Cube Releasing in Stores This Month." It's, it's all, true. It's all positive. It's not it's, negative. It's 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 a real thing. I didn't. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought maybe it was one of these onion things. No, no, no. But it's no, real. it's 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 a real thing. It's Joel yeah. Osteen. What do you expect? Yeah. And and not that I I don't hate Joel Osteen, but the guy is not a biblical preacher. Let's put it that way. He's a he's a um, he's a motivational speaker. Well, yeah, I mean he's that's what he calls himself. But anyway, yeah, and that's what he's a pretty good one. Yeah, Tommy says you cannot bless people and ministries without it. God's people should not be broke. Amen. And you know what? I can tell you that despite God's people, God has provided for us. <laughs> Uh, I used to get so mad just so you know, I mean, I'm just being honest. I used to get so mad that like we would ask for money for a need and nobody would give anything. And I'd be like, well, what am I doing wrong here? But I have learned that um, often it's, it's called an inspiration cube here. I'll put the link in the chat there so you can look at it. But the, um, will somebody please, you know, buy me one and send it to me? Oh. <laughs> no seriously go go buy me one so i can look at it and then share about it on the show. there's nothing wrong with being inspired but there is a problem with um positive affirmations positive i'm so great you are enough look in fact i'm gonna say something and this is where i'll shut up i'll shut i will shut up after i say this and randall can close the show one of the biggest things that has been going on for the last year, at least, that I keep seeing people talk about, and it is, it is, I'm trying not to swear, it, it, it irritates me. I feel irritated by it, and I will tell you why. So, you'll hear this a lot. I am enough. You are enough. You know, it's all about I, how great I am. Let's make this the best version of yourself. You know, we're trying to be the best version of ourself. First of all, what the heck does that mean? The best version of myself. Wait, wait, how many versions do I have? I mean, it drives me, okay, it drives me crazy. I'm going to tell you, I'm in Legal Shield, right? I'm in other direct sales companies and a big part of, of sales is personal development. And personal development, there's nothing wrong with personal development if you're really trying to grow and learn and, and, you know, build your confidence. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but it's so self-absorbed and so me, 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 like, this is all about me. I'm so awesome. I'm great. I, I am enough. Yeah, I am. I'm going to walk around telling you that I'm enough, people. It irritates me as a Christian, especially as a leader, because as a Christian, we are supposed to be like Jesus and giving God the glory, not ourselves, you know. The Bible says pick up our cross daily and deny ourselves. It doesn't say to puff ourselves up daily and pat ourselves on the back daily. No, <laughs> it doesn't say any of that. And it just drives me crazy because it's like, it's, it's like this, this, this psychobabble BS that, and, and I'm saying this with a master's in, in clinical psychology, psychology is a load of crap, people. And what I'm also going to tell you is that if you want a good mental health, here's the, here's the secret. And I don't mean the secret, the, the secret that Rhonda Byrne put out. What I mean is the real secret to self-development and to feel good about yourself. You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It's what Jesus said. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you do those two things, you love God and you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're going to have a good self-image because you're not going to be self-absorbed, narcissists, okay? You're not going to be going looking at you. And what I'm going to tell you, and I know this because I fell into this trap 25 years ago, is if you are the person who is constantly looking inward and you're depressed, you're full of anxiety, stress, and all this other stuff because of how horrible you are because of all your problems, it's because you're self-absorbed and you're a narcissist. You need to get your head out of yourself and go help somebody else and stop thinking about yourself so much and lift other people up and get yourself out there working for somebody else, encouraging somebody else, lifting somebody else up, lifting Jesus up, right? And, and, but no, you are enough. No, frankly, you're not enough. You're never going to be enough. That's why you need Jesus, people. He is enough. He is the Lord, not you. If you want to be your own Lord, what I'm going to tell you is you're going to suck at it. <laughs> you're going to be miserable and on drugs that are going to kill you ultimately because you're going to be looking for this self-actualization BS and it's not going to help you. And, and this is what drives me nuts because I see so many people involved in this new age psychobabble crap and that's exactly what it is. It's crap. It's, 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 that's the nicest way I could put it, you know, because it has nothing to do with helping other people. I mean, did you walk, you know, did, do you, can you show me in scripture anywhere where Jesus walked around or the disciples walk around? They said, Hey, I am enough. Can you imagine Peter walking around? I am enough. I'm the best fisherman ever. Yeah, I am. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Measure that stuff against God's word and then you'll have, you'll go, oh, but see, here's the thing. <clears throat> you got to open the Bible to know what's in it so that you can measure it. And if you're not doing that, then you're in trouble. Instead, some of you, not all of you, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, if you, you know, oh, I don't know. I, I, I should just stop. I'm going to stop there. I will stop there before I get myself in trouble. But, you know, 
it it drives it drives me crazy and I don't like it. So that's why I'm never going to tell you you're enough. You're not. You know, you suck. That's what you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. You suck enough to need Jesus. That's <laughs> And here's the thing. Once you're a Christian, you're a saint. You know, you don't be walking around going, oh, woe is me, I'm a sinner. No, you're not. You're a saint. Once you're born again, you're a saint. So you put on that crown and you're in and, and you be proud of the fact that Jesus saved you and you're his kid. But don't be walking around like you can call things out into the universe and speak this crap there and do all that. That's a load of crap. Because you know what? If you could do it, how come all this stuff hasn't happened for you, huh? That, that law of attraction is of the devil. And, and I'm not being funny. It literally is of the devil. The people that put that in place were into the psychic demonic crap and channeling and stuff. And yet it, ha it comes into the church and I'm like, what the heck is your issue? You know, why don't you open the Bible? Well, I don't care about the Bible. The Bible's full of mis you know, it's full of errors. Really? Show me one. <laughs> where is it? I'm just curious where it's at. Oh, the errors with your eyeball because you didn't open it up and actually read it and then take it out of context. It's like, it drives me crazy. Anyway, with that said, Randall, you want to say anything else or are you ready just to cut me off? Let's call it a night. Okay. All right. So with that said, good night, people. <laughs> Remember, the Lord loves you just the way you are. No, he doesn't. No, he actually loves you, but he wants to change you because you're not enough without him. So with that, what I'm going to say is just that. And I'm going to say, be bold, <laughs> stand up and go with God because he loves you. <laughs>